The Golf.com podcast is brought to you by the SeatGeek app, the smartest way to buy and sell tickets for your favorite events. Download the SeatGeek app and enter our code GOLFING for $20 off your first purchase. We're also sponsored by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. Enter promo code GOLFING at FanDuel.com to enter a risk-free tournament for up to $10. I mean, if we were to play the Ryder Cup on American soil with the TPC Scottsdale, who do you think would win? Play, you know, play the golf course where, that the Americans are used to playing every year. You know, I think you'd have a different result. Even if you play Pebble Beach, I think you'd have a different result. We- Greetings and welcome back to the Golf.com podcast. I'm your host, Alan Bastable, and today I'm happy to welcome to the show the always delightful Paul Goidos. Some of you might know Paul as a two-time winner on the PGA Tour. Some of you might know him as the guy who lost to Sergio Garcia in heartbreaking fashion at the 2008 Players. And still others of you might know Paul as one of the new kids on the Champions Tour, where he finished 11th on the money list in 2015, racking up a cool $1.1 million. But in my mind, I know Paul as being the type of smart and seasoned subject who makes for a great podcast podcast guest. Paul, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You're very welcome here. Pleasure is all mine. Thanks for the great intro. Of course. So I need to start with uh, the question that's on everybody's mind today. Have you seen the new Star Wars movie yet? I haven't. When did it come out? Is it... I, it is today. It comes out today. Today? No, I haven't. no, I'm looking forward to it. But I'm one of those guys who kind of wait till the... I don't, I'm not going to wait three hours in line to see a movie. And so I'll probably see it next week or the week after. You kind of strike me as the kind of guy who might who might be into Star Wars. Is that fair? Is that yeah? Fair I thought assessment? you know what? It, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, I think what it does for everybody is that you know it came out what seventy seven, thirteen years old. It kind of almost like a childhood memory. It kind of lets you be a kid again for what I'm assuming is going to be a couple, two and a half, three hours. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they did. I mean, everybody complains about the second group of movies. I thought they were really entertaining too. At the end of the day, that's what you're trying to do with that stuff is entertain people, and I think they are fabulously entertaining. What is your favorite movie of all time? Favorite movie of all time? Wow, that's a that's a pretty good question. There's probably two ways of looking at it. The whole series of the Lord of the Rings movies I thought were very good. I read the books, and I thought they did a pretty good job at the movies. And I would probably also say Kevin and Southern and I talked about this. Maybe uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, because I don't think you ever stop laughing during that movie. That's a good choice. That that makes... that movie's so good that it would edge your happy because you've already laughed so much. You're you're sick. <laughs> that I think uh, that makes sense to me that that, that you would be a, a Monty Python fan. Oh, they're brilliant. Yeah. So absolutely brilliant. So I, I, let's let's catch people up on on your whereabouts. As I mentioned, you're you're now playing on the Champions Tour. Uh, had a really nice season, 2015. You won early on the uh, right. Alliance Championship and, and finished strong. Four top tens in the, in your last six events, I believe. Uh, life sounds like it's pretty good for for Paul Goyos at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I've been playing golf for a living for, uh, you know, whatever, 25 years now. It's been pretty good for 25 years. You know, there's a, there was a movie, I talk about movies out there called The Lords of Dogtown, about skateboarding, the starting of skateboarding, and they were just getting to be a big deal, and, and they realized that, you know, hey, this is the next 20 years of our life, we're going to be on summer vacation, and that's kind of been my life the last 25 years. You know, it's play golf every day. It's been pretty good, whether it's on the web.com tour, the regular tour, now the Champions Tour. It's been a lot of fun. And, you know, the Champions Tour was great. So you get to play with your own uh, your own peers, you know, your own, your own age group. 
uh, your own generation of players, which is something we did a lot in high school and college, but on the PJ tour, you're playing with four or five generations. And now it's kind of almost like a high school reunion. You're back playing golf with your, the people you played golf with growing up. Yeah. That see, I, I know a lot of, a lot of young kids aspire to play the PGA tour, but to me, the real sweet spot has to be the, has to be the Champions Tour. I mean, it's, it sounds like, as you as you say there, you're just out there playing with your buddies. I imagine it's not quite as stressful as as the PGA Tour. Most of you guys have, have made a, a pretty nice living by this point. So, is it is it as good as it sounds out there? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I'd go with it. Not as stressful. You know, we're all competitors, and we all want to beat each other, and we all want to we want to want to do well. And that's kind of why we've been, you know, most of those guys have been able to do this for 25 years because they are ultra competitive. And just because it's a, a different format or a different venue doesn't take away from that competitiveness. You know, for playing ping pong, as you'd see in the Ryder Cup, it's pretty unbelievably competitive. So I don't know if it's any less stressful. And I don't know that I would tell him his career advice is to try to get to be 50 years old. I think he should enjoy being 20 years old, quite frankly. Um, but, yes, I mean, it's, 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 it's an extension of your, of your career, in a sense, is what they've done a good job with. You know, we... And it's also pretty good. It's a it's a pretty good business thing for the PGA Tour and for its sponsors. So really, what it is it's extending your golf career out to six years old. There's not too many sports that uh, can do that. I don't think there's a senior bowling tour, but uh, there's not. It's it, it's 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 a nice deal. I mean, it, again, it's it, it it's hard from the inside. You know, I'm sitting. I'm being treated like a king. I'm getting to play golf. It's really kind of in the sense when you're inside of it, it's hard to appreciate it enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think yeah. the people, you know, I think I think you you who cover golf or the people who are golf fans probably would be better at, you know, I'm kind of in it. It's hard for me to, maybe that's part of the problem why we're all throwing clubs around when we're 60 years old because we're not appreciating how good it is. Mm. And you, uh, the last couple of years anyway of your PGA Tour career, I know you were struggling with with wrist injuries and um not not super competitive at that point so is it now that you are you know competing every week as i mentioned you had a bunch of top tens you're obviously in the mix most right. weeks out there does that make it does it make it more fun again that now That's that cool. you're you know competing and, and contending every week yeah i mean I'm, i think that you know you have to get your ego has to be you have to understand you're not playing the pha tour anymore and so that took a little bit getting used to you know for the first you know, for, I played 10 events in last year and 14 out there, and I was still just thought, well, if I play well, and, you know, who knows, maybe I'll, you know, I'll, I'll still want to play the PGA Tour. And I played, I actually played Sony this year, and I played okay and was good. And I thought, you know, you have to capitulate a little bit that you're playing the Champions Tour now. And I don't know that anybody's had any success trying to play both. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Davis Love won on the regular tour, and I don't think he played particularly well on the Champions Tour. Or when you played the couple of events you played in, um, you, you have to be committed. That means, you know, at some point in time, you have to make that commitment. It took me, you know, six or seven events to do so. But once I did, you know, then now well, you have the goals in front of you and you got to do your work and be prepared and play the best that you can. And the other thing is the golf courses are different. We're actually playing golf. We play the golf courses that the public plays. You know, we play, you know, their golf course for the tips. That's basically what the Champions Tour is, well, the PJ Tour. They're coming into your golf course and building 17 new tees to make it 7,500 yards long, and it's really not your course. Yeah. You know, it's it's we're actually playing golf courses that you would, you know, good golf, good, good solid golf courses in the cities we play. We're not playing a PGA Tour tees. You know what I mean? Right, it's right. more. It's almost it's almost easier to relate to the public to relate to us now than the PGA Tour. I think just because of the 
the incredible athletes and how far they're hitting it on the, on the PGA Tour Championship. Tour is a little more normal golf, for lack of a better word. Yeah, and and the you know I know that Champions Tour has obviously it's fair of guys who are who are anchoring. Uh, the ban is looming; it's almost upon us. What what sort of effect do you think that's going to have on um, on the tour? I mean, you look at uh, obviously Bernard Langer and uh, Michael Allen, right. a bunch of other guys who are who are you know at the top of the tour um, are going to have to adjust. What what sort of effect do you think that's going to have? Yeah, you know, I was on on, on the board when the USGA made that on the PJ Tour policy board when the PJ Tour made or the Chandler, the USGA made that that decision and. And surprisingly, at that time, there were more people, more higher percentage of players anchoring on the PGA Tour than there were percentage of players anchoring on the Champions Tour, which was a stunning stat to me. But yeah. you know, we have our five or six players. And Langer is maybe the mentally a strong player ever, other than maybe Nicholas. Um, I don't think it's gonna. I think it's gonna. He'll figure it out, and he'll be fine, and be beating us like a drum by the middle of summer, I'm sure. <laughs> um, uh, Michael Allen, I've actually played with. He actually won San Antonio. It's funny you mentioned him. He won San Antonio last year in 14, putting with the short putter. He goes back and forth. And what I've seen, you know, I've played with him. I've played with Michael a decent amount the last year and a half. His putting stroke looks better with the short putter than the long putter, a lot better. And so, you know, I think once he makes that commitment, I think he'll be fine. I think guys will figure it out. I, I think this is a uh, going to be a little bit of an overreaction. I think there might be a couple of players who struggle for a while getting used to it, but they're all really talented guys. Very few of them have putted only with the long putter. Those are the guys I think will struggle the most on the regular tour. You're looking at a, a Carl Peterson or a Tim Clark. Well, on the Champions Tour, maybe a Scott McCarron, and he's only putted with the long putter since he was, you know, a pro. You know how those guys deal with it. I think will be interesting, but at the end of the day, they're all pretty talented guys. And I think they'll figure it out. You look at Adam Scott. Adam Scott looks like he's putting it wonderfully. He's played really well down in Australia with the short putter. You know, those are they look like you know they're just whatever tournaments. They're not PGA tournament, PGA Tour events. But yeah. Adam Scott, the Australian Open, the major. Right. That this is important as any event he'll play in all year, and it looked like uh, his putting is fine. These guys are again, they're pretty talented guys. I think they'll be fine. John Daly turns 50 next year. Did you know that? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. I think it's February, March, or something yeah. like that. Are, are you uh, are you excited by the prospect of of uh, Big John joining the Champions Tour? Assuming he does. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, he's you know he's still. If he showed up at a PGA Tour event, he's probably gonna be the top four or five draw. You know, I would think now, you know, maybe Spieth and those guys have passed him a little bit. He used to, be, you know. Tiger, Phil, and John were the top three draws out there, right. and uh, and that that really hasn't changed much. And he will be the the biggest draw on the Champions Tour too when he gets out of here. He's a a very lovable golf character. I mean, golf in, in every tournament means I'm not just the Champions Tour. That's good for golf in general. And he brings out fans, and at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do. Like we talked about Star Wars, starting now we're an entertainment company, and we need to find ways to entertain our people and get more people out watching us and in a sense get higher ratings just like everybody else and John's only going to make that uh, you know, make that better and, and, and you know I think he won an event in the European Tour a couple of years ago in Turkey so it's not like his game is lousy he's been playing I expect that once he turns 50 and kind of gets used to playing I heard he's going to be a guy who's going to be pretty competitive and he only has to play three rounds three rounds you know what um, I mean I feel like that'll play into his uh, wheelhouse a little bit yeah you know you, know, you have to play three and with the the vast majority of events don't have cuts, so he can't withdraw or he can't miss the cut and go home. But yeah, I think again, I think it'll fit into what he likes to do. I think he's he's always been very good in the pro ams. If you watch John, he's 
he's very helpful to his amateurs. He, he's very people love to play golf with John. Um, again, I think considering what uh, our model is, which is corporate hospitality, you know, I think John's going to be a wonderful addition. I think I think the sponsors will really like it. I think they're going to really get to see that this guy is good for you know for their they're they're going to bring out their customers and want to play with John. John's very good in pro ams. I mean, I, I I think it's a win-win you know, for everybody. Yeah, and I think it's going to be good for John as for structure and play golf tournaments. You know, 25 tournaments a year. I think it's going to be good for him too. And now we'll take a quick break from my conversation with Paul Goidos for a word from our sponsors. SeatGeek is the best way to find a great deal for tickets to this game and many more. When you use my code GOLFING, you get $20 back via check or PayPal. On SeatGeek, you can also sell your extra tickets to other fans. SeatGeek pulls all the ticket buying and selling options from other ticket sites into one place to save you time. They also know the fair market value of every ticket. SeatGeek uses that information to show you the best deals and find the underpriced seats in the venue. Also, if you have tickets you can't use, SeatGeek will help you quickly sell them to another fan. Hate those sneaky fees at the end? SeatGeek has the lowest fees of any ticket site out there and always shows you the full price up front. So to redeem your promo code and get your $20 rebate via check or PayPal, download the free SeatGeek app today. Enter promo code GOLFING in the app. SeatGeek will then send you $20 once you've made your first SeatGeek purchase. Here's another great game for the weekend. The Carolina Panthers playing for 14-0 at the Meadowlands against the Giants. That's going to be a fantastic atmosphere. For your tickets, use the SeatGeek app, and don't forget to enter our code GOLFING for $20 back. And now back to my conversation with two-time PGA Tour winner Paul Goidos. You mentioned the marketing of the tour. I mean, do you think the the tour is doing a good enough job uh, marketing it, uh, enticing the, the, you know, mainstream sports fans to watch. Uh, do you have any suggestions for how to maybe make, make, uh, champions tour a little bit more popular? Well, champions tour is two different things. The PGA tours markets the best players in the world. And I think they've done a much better job over the last, it used to be only marketing a tiger. And now they've, they've gotten uh, the PGA tour. I don't think it's ever been healthier than it is today. Um, you know, speed and day it's, it's really become an international, Deal we've got. You think about it. We have, you know, a person from Australia, a person from the United States, and a person from Europe as the top three players everybody yeah. talks about right now. And that's a pretty global. But that's, that's never happened for sure. And, and so it's pretty global. That's a good thing. Um, and so I think the PJ Tour is really good. The Champions Tour is a different animal. You know, you do have to one. You you can't you can't take fans away in the sense away from the PJ Tour. The tour is not going to like that. So we have a different model. I think they've done a pretty good job with what they've done. Again, we're more, they're more, that's the, the you want to watch the greatest players and we'll play there. We're more, you know, hospitality. You want to come out and you've got, you know, customers. You take, you said, uh, take, I'm hearing locally at Toshiba. Well, Toshiba is a pretty big company and they're trying to sell, you know, televisions and, and whatnot all over the world. And they bring their customers in and they have a whole week of, of playing golf with, with us and watching tournament hospitality. And we do a very good job with that. We've been doing this for, we've been playing pro ams for, I've played, I don't know, 500 pro ams in my life. You know, we understand that, you know, taking care of, taking care of your customers is part of our job. And, and I, I do think they do a pretty good job. It's a tough sell. I mean, you're not selling Jordan or Tiger or Phil or whoever you're selling, Paul Goitus, that's a much harder sell. Right. And you have we have to we everybody in the champions tour understands that. And I guarantee you that you know the fan that shows up to the champions tour event is gonna see it's it's a different show and we're gonna be it's it's you you can you, you, the PJ tour has almost gotten like other sports to where the the outside the ropes and the inside the ropes is very static and, and you never get the, the getting inside the ropes is very difficult. While the champions tour it's 
it's much more laid back. You know, you, there are times when you're walking with the fans from from Tia to Green. It's just a different atmosphere. And so it, in a sense, I wouldn't say friendly is not the right word, but more comfortable atmosphere, I think, for the fans and whatnot, too. There were rumors flying around this year that there might be um, some sort of a senior Ryder Cup, which I think is an awesome mm-hmm. idea. I think that makes perfect sense to see all the guys we, we've, you know, we remember from 10, 20, whatever, 25 years ago battling it out. Um, would you, uh, do you think guys would generally be responsive to that? I think that, yeah, they talked about it, obviously, and, and it, it goes back to not wanting to, uh, you don't want to hurt the regular Ryder Cup deal. You know, yeah. I think that'd be the issue. And then, too, you know, they do need to make sure that the Ryder Cup, like the Olympics, you need the best players playing. It doesn't work if the top players aren't playing. Yeah. Um, but I still think they're, they're tossing that idea around. I think it'd be an interesting idea. Uh, I think it'd be kind of cool. I think it would be... Um, the, the, I think the problem they would run into is that, yeah, this year right now it's pretty good. You got Montgomery and and, and Luzman and Langer, like you said, and the Americans have you know we got Davis is now 50 and whatnot. He's a captain of the Ryder Cup team, but 10 years down the road, you know, still going to play. Yeah. I'd be yeah. surprised, you know, yeah. Tiger So they do have a, they do have to figure out a way to make to get the top players playing. It probably wouldn't work, but I know they're talking about and trying to figure it out. I was looking at your statistics uh, mm-hmm. this morning before we jumped on. Uh, I want well, to at least somebody did. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. There's always, regardless of what player you look at, there's always one or two uh, really interesting nuggets. One of which, the number 32. Does that mean anything to you? This is something you did this year. Yeah, I hit, I hit 32 greens in regulation in a row, and I actually. Um, I also think I think the next best was like twenty six or seven or something. I'm not real sure. Yeah. I think I also had a thirty in a row, so I had two different wow. streaks over thirty. Um, do you when when you're in a in a streak like do you are you sort of aware of you know when you get to t- to twenty or twenty five? Do you, is it sort of in the back of your mind that you've hit that many greens in reg or is it just um, the thirty two? I didn't. Um, I didn't really think about it. I don't. I couldn't even tell you when it was. I know the second time I did it. It was at Dick's, and the reason I know that I think I hit the first, I think I hit the first thirty in the tournament. I think that's how I got the thirty. That's that's, that's my understanding. That's what I kind of semi remember. Um, those types of streaks, they now they tend to happen. That you, the thirty-two might have been might have started in one, might have started the last five holes of the tournament, the first twenty-seven of another tournament. I don't really know how when it happened. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, not too much. I think I do think that if you start thinking about it. You start. That's the wrong. That's not how I play. Those streaks are surprising to me because that's not how I play. I would consider myself a pretty aggressive player, and I hit a lot of. I short side myself more than the average player. I think maybe other players might say the same thing. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that I had those two streaks. That's not really how I play. But um, I did dicks. I hit it as good as I've hit it. Probably it was one of my top five ball striking weeks of my career, if not top two. So. Uh, I'm not surprised it happened there, but uh, it's one of those things. I think it's it's those types of stats that uh, you know give fan. I mean, obviously we know you guys are uh, you know have otherworldly talents, but it's when you hear a stat like that or that some guys made you know 500 consecutive putts within three feet. Right. That's right. that's when you realize that that you know that th- what sort of level you guys are playing at. Um, I mean, to the average guy, if he hits three greens in regulation in a row, that's he's probably going to have a you know 
a good round by right. by his standards. So I don't know. I just those right. stats are always fun to to analyze. I think. Right. I mean, you can look at the when I play with my friends who are good players, zero handicappers. When, when if they hit you know, thirteen or fourteen greens in a round, they're having a pretty impressive day. A, a good tour. Of, I want to say. Probably on the PGA Tour, the, the championship I probably averaged 13 or close to that, 12 or 13. So, um, yeah, there are good levels of ball striking, and you get those hot streaks where you hit it really, really good. Um, and that is one of the big differences between very, very top amateurs and, and tour players is, this, is the level of consistency that you see over time. The other thing you did well this year, your, your final round scoring average. It's like sixty nine point three eight, and that's like a stroke better than your almost than your second and third round averages. Um, it, it, do you have you always been sort of? A, I mean, did you did, were you aware of that that you've been playing better in the, in the fourth? Yeah, and the I, they, have, they, have, they have a stat that I saw. Um, it's called improving on Sunday, improving your position on Sunday. Yeah, and uh, I want to say improve my position on Sunday or the last round. You know. Uh, 80 percent of the time, or something like that, which was pretty astounding. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a little bit of an outlier. Um, I've talked to other players. Yeah, like I said, I mentioned Kevin Sutherland. He's the guy I play the most golf with on tour and practice rounds and whatnot. And there seems I seem to have. He seems to think that there's, a, you know, one of the, one of the one of the things people say about me is that when I get in contention, I tend to stay in contention. Uh, you know, I tend to play on, and then, you know, and then I also, I saw, so on the Sundays I'm playing well, I, I seem to handle that situation pretty well. Yeah. And then the other, then the other, but a big part of that too, is that there was four, five, six events, I don't see near open comes to mind where I played really well on Sunday. I mean, I, I went, you know, I, I shot 67 or six or something, the final round senior open. I only did that same thing at the, uh, I feel like in the majors, I played well on Sunday going from 40th to 25th or whatever I did, 50th to 30th. A lot of that comes from, you know, again, I think uh, the competitive nature of of who I am is that, you know, it was the 50th place at the senior open. I wasn't very happy about that, and I, and I, and I really said, a lot of guys in that situation, well, they kind of get, you, you, you get players. So say, okay, you know, whatever, and I, I'm not making any more money to grind my brains out. I, I tend to have my, my ego tends to not allow that. I actually played pretty well sometimes when I was in, very poor shape on the Champions Tour. I'm going into Sunday for whatever reason, but uh, I think that's a bit of an outlier. But I, but I tend, I, I tend to be one of those guys who, you know, who plays the same regardless of the situation. Yeah. That's, that's probably the best way of putting it. So far, again, who knows what next year will bring? Golf's like that. Golf's a fickle sport. Did you? With that said, I mean, obviously you had you had two wins on on the regular tour. Uh, you never really contended. I think your best finish in a major was twelfth at the U.S. Open. Does that sound right? Yes. Um, yes. I mean, do you? I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure. Obviously, you regret not winning a major. But I mean, was there? Uh, was that just maybe not hitting it long enough, or, or why do why do you think you never really made a good run at at one of the big four events? Yeah, I, you know, I only played Augusta twice. My golf course didn't fit me, yeah, quite frankly. But that's a, you know, um, that's a that's a difficult place to compete. I think it's, you know, you, you need a lot of rounds there. You very few guys show up their first time and play that well there. Um, you know, I think I I do think that you know one of the things that nobody likes to talk about is talent. I mean, you, 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 there's a certain talent level or a certain type of skill set that. Tends to do better in majors, and, and, and they're called majors for a reason. And 
you know, I never really got comfortable playing in those events. You know, like I said, you mentioned in Pinehurst, uh, where I finished 12th, I think it was in 99. Um, I did, I was maybe four back with 12, with six holes to go, and then finished bad to finish 12th. Um, and, you know, I just didn't play well. I mean, that's just, it just maybe that's not the style of, you know, whether I like it or not, that's not necessarily golf courses that fit my game very well or I was comfortable playing, and I never really got myself in the position. I played, again, I had a couple of events where I played well on Sunday. I remember Congressional in 96, I shot 69 the last round with Nicholas to finish in the top 25 or 30th or something like that. But other than that, I never really played well in major championships. And I would say that's, 50% not dealing with a major, 50% not my skill set. Um, you know, I look at a guy like who have done well in majors, just take Zach Johnson. He would be, you know, it's not fair to compare me to Tiger, totally different type of player. But Zach, you know, we both drive at about the same distance, you know, have the similar types of games where I can, you know, he just has a skill set. You know, he's just, you know, quite frankly, he's a better player than me. I have no problem admitting that. Yeah. Right. It, it, uh, I mean, Zach, he, he's, he's got that uncanny ability to, um, you know, he really hones in. Seems like on on Sundays, and he starts. You know, he, he can make make uh, yeah, he, so many so many pressure putts. Uh, mm-hmm. He's so good around the greens. It's so mentally tough. Um, but he's he's amazing to watch because you're right. He's not like he, he's not like this physical specimen. Yeah. He, doesn't, he doesn't overpower golf courses. In this in this day and age, considering how Zach the way Zach plays, I put Fear kind of in the same category of player. Guys who don't who aren't beating a golf course is the power. I, I, there's, I just don't see how, you know, Zach's won two major championships now on two golf courses that really favor long hitters, Augusta National and, and St. Andrews. I mean, Zach, I'm assuming, has won probably somewhere between 10 and 15 tour events, two majors. You know, Felix won 10 to 15 tournaments with a major. I doubt they're going to get as much accolades as they really deserve to do that in this era. Yeah. You know, the era of, of bombing and the era of unbelievable length in the golf courses where we've really stretched everything out, you know, for those guys to continue to be, you know, as competitive as they are. I mean, we're talking top 10 players in the world for long stretches of time, giving up 30 to 40 yards off the tee on every hole is, I, I think, one of the great, you know, that just didn't happen. There were a couple of guys, you know, in the 90s, a couple of guys in the 80s, Nicholas Stavis, he stands out in the 70s and 60s who hit it a long ways. There are 80 guys who bomb it now. Yeah. And for those guys to, to be that competitive, giving it that much off the tee, tells you how, one, you talk about there's a there's a skill that, about being, you know, dogged and being and having, you know, never give up in this in this concept of I'm, I, Yes, I'm giving up this. It doesn't matter. I'm still going to beat you. There's a skill there, a skill set there, a mindset there that is underappreciated. You can see it, those two guys. You talk to those guys. You kind of go, yeah, well, this guy's going to beat me. You can kind of tell Fierks, you know, I put on the regular tour Fierks for, what, almost 20 years. And, yeah. you know, he's just a bulldog. I mean, he's just a guy you don't want to play. Yeah. yeah and Zach's very similar. And now we'll take a, another quick break from my conversation with Paul Goidos. To give a shout out to our sponsor. How did your fantasy football team do this year? Are you still in the game? The great part about playing fantasy sports now is that you don't play in one league, you play in a bunch. And on FanDuel.com, when you use my code GOLFING, you can play a risk-free tournament in fantasy football, basketball, or hockey for up to $10. If you win, you keep the money. If you lose, FanDuel will refund your account, guaranteed. If you had Russell Wilson this week, you're sitting pretty right now. 
fantasy owners who were smart enough to pick up Ted Ginn are wondering why the rest of us didn't see it. Think you know fantasy football? Come prove it at FanDuel. Building a team is easy and fun. Just pick up your players and stay under the salary cap. Entry fees start at just $1, so there's a league for everyone. They offer NFL, NBA, and NHL, so you can play fantasy sports for real cash any night of the week. FanDuel is not just for large tournaments. You can set up a private league and play your friends anytime, anywhere. To get started, go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use the code GOLFING and sign up now. Here's a great new offer for my listeners. If you enter a league and you don't win, FanDuel will refund your money. That's any tournament you want, up to 10 bucks. You can sign up on FanDuel.com using my code GOLFING, then make a deposit and choose your league. If you don't win, you'll get that money right back in your FanDuel account for more play. The only way to get this no-lose offer is to go to FanDuel.com, click the microphone, and use my code GOLFING. FanDuel.com, where you can finally pay to be a fan. If you want to win your fantasy league, the SI Fantasy Football Podcast has the tips and rankings to keep you ahead of the competition. Listen to the SI Fantasy Football Podcast with Michael Beller, released twice a week on iTunes, Stitcher, and SI.com slash podcasts. And now back to my conversation with Paul Goidos, in which he offers up an interesting theory on why the U.S. Ryder Cup team has been struggling. We touched on the uh, potential uh, senior Ryder Cup. I, I want to pivot to the to the Ryder Cup. Uh, I think uh, some people might forget you were you were actually a, you didn't play in a Ryder Cup, but you were a vice captain uh, in 2010 under Corey Pavin. Uh, what right. so much has been made of you know uh, the U.S. team's woes. Um, over the last several years, and now this task force, and just a lot of noise around the Ryder Cup. What what was your what was your experience? You got an up close look there, sort of behind the curtain. What I mean, could you see anything that was really broken, or like what what is your take on the on the state of uh, the U.S. Ryder Cup team? Yeah, I mean, noise is a pretty good term. <laughs> a lot of noise. I don't know how important that noise is. Um, you know, I look back and it, 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 when you lose a Ryder Cup, and let's just say, but we lost by half a point. Um, that was four or a full fourteen and a half to thirteen and a half. Um, that's that's one or two shots over a three day period. Uh, when you lose sixteen to twelve, that's five or six shots. It's really not this massive amount. Sixteen to twelve looks like a blowout. Well, if you turn a couple of shots around here and there, all of a sudden it's fourteen fourteen. So we're not talking massive differences. So when you say you know, it, it's how competitive it's been. It's been pretty tight. And again, I look back on the European side. You know, the, I, I dwell on this. I've been going on this for 25 years. That every Ryder Cup they play, it seems they're playing a golf course that the European Tour plays. You know, when we played, we played Celtic Manor. Well, they had an event there that year. They had an event on that golf course the previous two or three or four years too. The course they're playing in France. Um, I guess in 18, the course that. They have a European tour event, and I can't speak for it. It's named Italy. Of course, in Italy, I don't know if they're playing there, but I guarantee you there'll be a European tour event at that golf course for a few years heading in. And that gives them a slight advantage. Is it a big advantage? No, it's a slight advantage. We play whistling straight. So, I mean, who's, who wins there? Martin Keimer won there. You know, Jason Day just won there. I mean, a lot of Americans are doing well there. You know, and then I think Hazeltine we played. I want to say when we lost, when Davis was a captain. I mean, this, if we were to play... The Ryder Cup on American soil at the TPC Scottsdale. Who do you think would win? I, I would love to see I mean, that. Yeah. Right? Who wouldn't? You know, the, but the American. You know, we, we, if we play, play, you know, play in a golf course where that the Americans are used to playing every year. You know, I think you'd have a different result, even if you played Pebble Beach. 
I think you'd have a different result. We keep going to places where we have zero. The home course advantage is not a yelling crowd. You know, I, 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 that's not what it is. It's not the crowd being on your side. It's being comfortable with your surroundings. Yeah. You know, I, I, that's as much as anything. It's nice to when you go to, you know, the the crowd's not yelling and screaming while you're playing. I mean, it, it's it's a nice feeling, but I think they'd much rather play. Again, I think I think Bubba Watson would much rather play TPC Phoenix than he would play, you know, Whistling Straits. To, you know, for from a comfort factor. Um, I think we need to do a better job of picking golf courses, and I don't see how the task force is going to change that any. Um, I think they're making too much about who the captain is and whatnot. In the reality, I think the biggest problem, again, on sports, so it's going to be hard. It's always going to be hard to win over there. The talent level's 50 50. Yeah. But um, on American soil, I think we can do a better job picking golf courses. You know, I always said you don't pick the, the Magnolia course at Disney World, you know, where they, the Americans shoot unbelievably good scores there. Um, on a golf course that's 7,500 yards long, and I thought hard, hard as hell. And you know, we're out playing Whistling Straits and these other places, you know, Oakland Hills, we all the places you look back over the last 15 years when we've lost on American soil. It's generally been on golf courses that we don't see other than during that tournament. I don't know how important a, a vice captain is, but... Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I was not sure everyone was wearing the right clothing. Yeah, nothing, nothing to take away from the exceptional job you did, I'm sure, in 2010. But yeah. um, eyebrows were certainly raised when Davis named uh, Tiger... Uh, vice captain several weeks ago. Uh, do you? I mean, what, were you surprised by that? I mean, now we've learned some things. Obviously, it sounds like Tiger. We he may not even play next year, so maybe it's not all right. that surprising that he's he's accepted right. this this role so early on. But um, I don't know. What, what what was your reaction to that? And what what do you think? I mean, you've you've seen Tiger behind the scenes. What 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 do you think he he can bring? Uh, you know, to the team from uh, from a, a captaincy standpoint, if anything. Well, I think I think it's a good idea to have your assistant captains be people that you're thinking about being regular captains, at least a couple of them. I don't know. You really can't have all of them. That makes there's not enough time, but because I think being the captain is not, is, is a lot going on. And the person who's going to be the captain, you know, needs to have at least some idea of all the different things that are going to happen. And you're going to have to be in charge of clothes. There's just so many little nuanced details that you have to deal with. So Tiger probably will be a captain in the future. And so getting him, acclimated to all of that silly stuff that you wait that happens prior to the Ryder Cup, you know, that's probably a good thing. I think Tiger's are I think you can argue the second greatest player of all time. I can't imagine he's gonna be a that's a bad thing to have hanging around. Yeah. Um uh, I, I think you know Phil at some point in time will be a captain and I think that's gonna be a good thing. But at the end of the day the players have to play well. And uh Again, we're not talking massive differently when, when, when it's a four-point difference. Not, that's not like a 20-shot win. It's a three-shot win over three days with 12 players. It's a very small margin. Um, so, I mean, I, again, I, I think it's nice to have these players involved, but I, at the end of the day, the players are going to have to play well or play just a little bit better. Uh, whether Davis Love is the captain or Tiger Woods is the captain or I'm the captain, I don't know how much... Basically, the captain's job is to make sure when they show up on Monday that everything's set and ready to go, and they don't have to worry about anything but golf. And that's that's probably almost eighty percent of what the captain does. Because there's a lot of things going on between all the different functions you have to go to and make sure everything's set up and ready to go. And that seems to be a vast part of what the captain does. And you know, Corey did a very good job, and everything flowed really well. 
uh, you know, all the, these done. You have to go. I mean, there's mandatory media stuff. There's all these. You know, we we had dinner with the with Prince of Wales. Right. <laughs> and so, and there was actually a, a book we all got on how to, if you if you meet him, how to greet him, what you call him, all these different things. Um, people don't think about that, but Corey had to make sure that we were all ready to meet the Prince of Wales. You know, the, so these are kind of the strange things that happened during a Ryder Cup. And again, I thought they did, they did a pretty good job of making sure when we showed up, we were ready to exactly what we were doing and when we were in practice and how things were going to go. Yeah, I mean, that does, uh, you know, a lot of players will uh, quietly or not so quietly in some cases complain about all the distractions and, you know, obligations that week. I mean, is there any of that? Is a captain have control any, over any of that, or is, is all this stuff so um, you're just, you're just uh, required to show up? I think they have some, probably have some control. I'm sure that's part of what the task force is talking about more than anything is that week we want more control of the players than, than the PJ of America and or the European Tour. Um, having said that, you know, eating dinner, you know, at a restaurant where there's the Prince of Again, the Prince of Wales is there. I don't know that that's necessarily a burden that you can't overcome. Um, most of the functions were, you know, either were, you know, weren't too, it wasn't that big. The ACC is an assistant captain to say weren't that big a deal. You know, it's more, you know, again, this is the European, whether they like it or not, the European tour funds big part of their tour with the Ryder Cup. You know, they, they run, they, we, the PGA Tour doesn't run the Ryder Cup, the PGA of America does. And right. This is how the PGA of America, in a sense, funds itself, and part of that funding process is, is, in a sense, for lack of a better word, selling access. So they have these dinners and stuff like that where the people who are sponsoring the event, and there are sponsors, I know it's not the, you know, there's not a corporate sponsor in front of the name Ryder Cup, but there are many, many sponsors there and hospitality and what's going on, and you, you if you're going to sell this hospitality, you know, you're going to need to have some access to the players. And, and so they aren't, that's going to happen. That's part of the deal. This is, you know, I know this is how it's going to be. And then, you know, money does tend to have a big part of why we do the things we do uh, as a business. So it, it is a business for the PJ of America. And again, they fund a lot of their operations through the Ryder Cup and the European Tour funds a lot of their operations through the Ryder Cup. Um, so that's going to be a difficult pull and to be a difficult deal. Television also is obviously a big part of that, too. And some of the things we do is media. When you go talk to the media, that's a television thing, and they want that, that access. I mean, look at the Super Bowl. I mean, everyone's got to talk to the media. What's his name for the Seattle Seahawks? Because kept getting fined because he wouldn't talk to the media. Say, probably, we don't get fined, but some, there are similar things have to happen. It's just part of the world we live in. You've, you've obviously, part of your reputation, you've been, you've been great to the media over the years and uh, offer up. Uh, insightful and thoughtful answers. I mean, yeah. Generally, do you think do you think tour pros do a good enough job, um, you know, making themselves accessible and uh, you know, really giving back to uh, to the media generally? I think it depends who you talk to. If you talk to the players, players are gonna say, "Yeah, I think we're, we right. do a pretty right. good job." Uh, and if you talk to the media, they're gonna say, "Yeah, you know, it's fine." You know, I talked to Brandel about it a little bit, and Brandel is now a media person who, who's looking for the golf channels, looking for access to players. Yeah. And I think the golf channel would always like more access. The media is always going to want more access, and the players are probably, for the most part, always top players. I mean, for me, the media has always been something, you know, as a, as a you know, a journeyman, run-of-the-mill type of player. The media can only help me. I can only getting my name out there more is only good for me. You know, does 
still need more media attention? You know, probably not. Does Tiger need more media attention? Probably not. So I can see why he's going to try and work out so he could do less while a guy like me is going to try and do more. And I think how, how the media, and again, I think early on how you get along with the media is going to affect how you deal with the media the rest of your your career. My, my The first media real stuff I did, I, I ended up, you know, John Feinstein, I ended up in his book. I mean, that's a pretty yeah. positive, that's a pretty positive start to my media career at Tiger Woods, you know, and had a lot, you know, what he feels is a lot of negative stuff happened with the media early on in his career and it tended to, you know, taint him a little bit with the media and, and he got weary of it and that tended to strain that relationship a little bit. But at the end of the day, you know, again, if you want to play for the tours now generating three or four hundred million dollars in revenue to pick all the tours, you really can't do that without without the media. The media is how we sell our stories and the media is you know, TV, NBC, CBS, Fox, Golf Channel, that's part of the media, so the print media, and um, that better that relationship is, you know, obviously the better they're going to tell the story and the, and, and the better it's going to be for everybody. Uh, I know you've made a few appearances on Golf Channel. Do you, do you have aspirations to, to get into television? Um, you know, we'll see how the Champions Tour goes. Hopefully, I'll be playing out here until I'm 65. You know, we'll see how I'm if I can stay in shape and keep my game in shape. I, I, my aspirations were to is to play golf. Still, I still feel like I feel like to, we talked about. It, I feel like I'm a better player today than I've ever been. Um, so I, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying playing. I'm enjoying not having a boss, quite frankly, right. other than myself. Um, I've done a little bit of that, and I talked to, to Fox a little bit about when, when they were starting to hire people. You know, I'm talking real minor and CBS too. But uh, right now, I'm pretty happy with with playing and my schedule. You know, next year we're going to have 25. I'm going to get 25 or six starts on the Champions Tour next year, and that, that's a nice full year. And I'm looking forward to playing and competing. And that, that's really what I do. Um, I'm flattered that people think I would be good on television. Uh, I'm not quite sold on that. I talk to a lot of people on television, and I think we, when somebody comes to me and says, "God, you'd be great on TV." To me, I, I, I think that's selling the people on TV a little short. It's a hard thing to do. It's something you got to get used to. I'm yeah. not sure. It, I'm not sure I want to learn that skill. I mean, I'm, again, I'm, I'm I'm 50, maybe 52 years old, and I think I'm stubborn <laughs> and set in my ways. And and and, and again, it, it it it's flattering for people to say that. And who knows what's going to happen in the future? But uh, right now, my goal is to play the Champions Tour for as long as I can. So if you're playing as well as you ever have, does this mean you might have another 59 in the bag? <laughs> well, we certainly like to. We certainly try. You know, we we uh, every every round. Um, uh, you know, that that that's a function of playing good and unbelievably good things happening. I mean, uh, something crazy. You know, I, there's something, usually for to to the difference between winning and finishing fifth is you made a couple of 30 footers that the other guy didn't make. He chipped in on a hole and somebody else didn't. You know, same with the 59. You know, I made. A, three or four bombs and a couple of chip-ins and things like that. Those are the types of things that need to happen. And then you need to kind of hold it together down the stretch. And uh, I was able to do that, but there's a, there's a, it's a, a whole bunch of good things happening at once. Obviously it's only happened though a handful of times. It doesn't happen very often. So uh, that's the right place, right time with great things happening as much as anything. That was uh, just to remind people the 2010 John Deere Classic. What, what what was the um, what'd you have? What'd you have on eighteen? Uh, how many how many feet for the fifty nine? 
Well, you know, talking about shot length, and I actually looked at the scoreboard. I was standing there, and I had a seven. The scoreboard shot length I had seven feet two inches. Seven feet. So uh, take us to that moment. What, 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 what were you thinking standing over that putt? Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, it, it was a, if I was going to have a seven foot two inch putt to to shoot fifty nine or win a tournament or whatever, I mean, that was probably the putt I would want to have had. It was slightly downhill, going to probably just outside left, maybe left edge, a little bit of a slice putt, which when putting well is, is a slightly more comfortable putt for me. You know, I'm, I'm the oddball in that area. And so, you know, if I have a putt that's important, I'd rather have it downhill. That takes some of the, that takes one of the variables in a sense out of play. Our greens are quick enough where you just kind of get them started and they're going to roll down the hill. Um, people say, you know, how nervous were you? I would say it's not even in my top. 30 most nervous situations really? I and mean, I was playing so well I was playing so well I mean I'm most nervous when when I'm scoring well but not really playing well or or scoring well and I'm putting well something's wrong and I'm just kind of got I got the duct tape and and, and and crazy glue and that's why I'm playing well not because I'm playing well and that's those are the ones you're waiting for something bad to happen because it's you're, you, there's, there's no reason for you to be playing well at this point I was about as locked in as I've ever been, and obviously in, a, in a one round, not only was I putting good, I was hitting good. I was thinking well. My routine was good, and you know, I just I put the ball down. My I don't think I think if you were to watch me hit that putt versus a putt set in the third hole, you, you wouldn't have known. I think my routine was was very good, and I was very locked in, and I just hit the putt fell. And I hit it. You know, I think one of the big things you know when you hit a putt and you miss it, you catch the ball, or you probably you look up and see catch it early. And I don't even remember when I looked at the ball. It was already the time I saw the ball. It was halfway to the hole, which means obviously I stayed down and threw the putt. Uh, when I looked up, it was three feet from the hole. This ball would have this ball would have gone into a hole size, you know, ball, golf ball size hole. It couldn't have gone in the middle any more than it did. Yeah. Um, and so I had to function of just again. It goes back to what we talked about early on. Uh, I, I was I was playing well, and I was able to to do it one more time. Um, for whatever reason, and and but again, I don't know that I was a very, I mean, I was ner- I'm always nervous playing golf, but I wouldn't, I don't remember being any more nervous over that putt than anything else that I normally do, considering the situation. Where does where does the 59 rank uh, among your accomplishments? I mean, I imagine the tour, you put the tour wins ahead of it, but uh, yeah, yeah, we we put a win, um, yeah. so yeah, I would say that I would say that you know the, the, how you know winning is is the biggest personal accomplishment for me and then probably but the coolest thing i've done is probably shoot 59 you know uh, that's the thing that people remember the most about me um is is shooting 59 again i think when i look at all the cool things i've gotten to do in golf winning it's the most proud of but i would say shooting 59 is the coolest thing i did yeah well i would love to see you do it again next year and so would i'd be the only guy to shoot 259 so that would that would be uh that would be pretty special a nice goal hey paul thank you so much we really appreciate your time thank you thanks for tuning in to the golf.com podcast you can subscribe to this podcast on itunes or at si.com slash podcasts you can always tweet me at at allen underscore bastable to let me know what you think of the show or if you have any ideas for upcoming guests my producer slash co-host sean zock will have a fascinating conversation with a guy who has played every one of the top 100 courses in the world on next week's show. You won't want to miss that. Thanks for listening. Happy holidays.